You're listening to the voices behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Hannah, Georgie, Cassie, Mahika and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast... Hi everyone, I'm Mahika and we have Hannah here today as well uh, in our brand new episode for the Women's Cricket Chat with the South African-born Michaela Kirk, who plays for not only Lightning, but even Trent Rockets. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Michaela, obviously, we're recording this a few days after that semi-final. South Africa, unfortunately, didn't get through, um, but they've played amazingly in this World Cup. So what's your thoughts of that? And where is your allegiance at the moment between, obviously, England and South Africa? I knew this question was going to come. I knew it. (laughs) Well, like you say, South Africa had a great World Cup run, I think. Unfortunately, they didn't make it to the final. I think, to be fair, I think they did deserve it with the World Cup they had. And such a shame that they never crossed the line. I just guess yesterday, England just I'll batter them a bit and but like you said or like we saw catchers kind of win matches in a way <laughs> so unfortunately with the three job catchers I think Danny White took that to her advantage and made the most of it and scored a brilliant century so it's such a shame though for South Africa I thought their World Cup run started so well beating the likes of England New Zealand and also putting up a very competitive score against Australia which was really great to see and like Wolfie had such a great World Cup run. Sune also first time captaining in the World Cup, you know, such. I thought they handled it really well. With the team that I was going for, <laughs> I think I was going more for South Africa, you know, hoping they would get across the line. But, you know, going into final, I definitely will support England. <laughs> Hopefully they can uh, retain it. So it was it was a really good like game, though. Like, not to take away from South Africa, England, I think just outplayed them yesterday and that's how cricket is. Um, I was also wondering, uh, did you get to watch this, uh, the match against India, the knockout? And what was your opinion on that last over with the no ball? It was, I was literally so nervous. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was watching it with my dad, actually, that morning. I was also, I was like, come on, Ming, she can take it through for them. And then uh, when I saw she got caught, I was like, oh, no. But like at the back of my head, I was like, South Africa can stall on this, you know. Chetty, been a while. She's been there for a long time. So i was well, 100% sure she could have taken SA across the line. But so unfortunate for India at the same time. No ball. And also getting knocked out from playing in the final as well, recent or previous years. So it was a bit of a heartbreak, I guess, for India. But it was a really good game of cricket. It's always coming down to the last ball, last over, which is great to see for women's cricket. It's, it's a step in the right direction, but getting very competitive, which is great to see. And it's high totals as well. So you're getting the 290s the 300s, which is really great to see for women's cricket. Perfect. And I think a good place to start now is just reflecting on your early cricket days, taking it back to South Africa and telling us a bit about what was it like growing up? Growing up. (laughs) So I have a brother, older brother. So very, very competitive rivalry there between the siblings because we basically played the same sport. So he played hockey, I played hockey, he played cricket, I played cricket. So like when I first started playing cricket, it was in the backyard because my dad and my brother used to love playing outside. Luckily, in South Africa, we had the nice hot weather, so it was nice to be outside. And then I was fortunate enough to go to a school that allowed me to play with boys. So through my whole school career, I basically played with boys. And then when I was 10, I went down the road to Northerns to try, go for the trials and made it there for under-13s and just basically stayed there until I left last year, the year before. 
So it was basically that. And then also when I finished school, I was fortunate enough to have parents that allowed me to follow my dreams. And I joined the Cricket Academy, the Titans Cricket Academy. And I think after that, my cricket just took an up uphill, just went really great. At the academy, we had like some of the best coaches in South Africa. We had Russell, who was the women's strength and conditioning coach for the Protea ladies. We had top psychologist Maurice, who was also the Protea's um, psychologist at that time. We had Chris, who's a level three coach. Mark, also level four. Byron, Doug. We had a lot of good coaches, and I think that helped me so much with my cricket. And also being around like the guys, basically. <laughs> Going then, you know, I had to kind of just embrace it because it's a different type of cricket between them. So I was very used to being more competitive. But growing up, I played with boys. So I wasn't too far up my game. But they did take me out of my comfort zone, you know, um, learning to how to, if I'm getting struggling with this, what can I do? And being at that academy helped me a lot. And I think it's helped me with my cricket now going forward. Because I've also learned, you know what, cricket is a love-hate game. Sometimes it's going to go your way, sometimes it's not. That's just how it is. You can't always score. You can't always take wickets. It's, you're going to win close games. You're going to lose very far. It's just the way it is. And I think just going back, and also in Northerns, <laughs> learned a lot there, playing with Mignon, Sine, Marsha. Also had the privilege of having Dane and Kapi as my coaches when I was growing up. So I had a lot of great role models when I was growing up in South Africa as well, which was really great to, to have especially as a youngster coming through. I was wondering, when you played against all these boys and like with people like Aiden Markram, did they ever make you feel like, you know, make you feel nervous when you're approaching the crease or inadequate? Or, and did they give you enough time, enough chances to bat and bowl? When I was, when I played with boys, unfortunately I didn't play with Aiden Markram, but he was one of my brother's friends. But like you say, they did give me a lot of chances. Like at the academy, my coach was very like, you're going to go face them whether you like it or not. You, that's how you're going to learn, basically. So I was like also thrown in the deep end sometimes to get out my comfort, comfort zone because that's where you grow as a player, basically. But, you know, as sometimes when you're growing up and you're like 13, you do get some boys that are like, oh, it's a girl, you know what, she, must, she mustn't be really good. Why is she playing with the boys? You know, this team must suck because they have a girl on their team. So like growing up, I was like kind of used to it in a way because I had grown up with it. But I learned to, you know, block it out and just kind of prove them wrong. So I have learned from a young age to have a thick skin, especially when you play against boys, because you're going to have those like stupid comments flying at you and everything. And I was also wondering, how, how did it feel playing alongside like your idols, like Mignon, in like at such a young age? It must have been like also quite nerve wracking as well. Yeah, it was very nerve wracking. I won't lie. Um, my first game, like I said, for my first women's proper game, we played against Western Province, and at the time, they had Shubnam, they had Mussolini Daniels, they had Wolfie Andre. Well, no, Andre was in our team at that time, but they had all the top players now. So I was 13, and I was like, I'm so nervous. But Minx was like, she's so nice to talk to. And I was like, if you had a problem, like, she could see I was so nervous. She's like, you know what? Just go out there and prove yourself. You know, what do you have to lose? And I think having Minx when I was growing up and having playing with alongside Minx, she helped me understand, you know what? You're going to have a good day. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a batsman come in and smash you for six sixes in a row. It's just how it is. And I think having that as when I was young just helped me develop my game and understand it's either going to go your way sometimes or it's not. And sitting on the side and just talking to her and learning from her was quite amazing and even now like 
last year at the 100, just had a chat with her and, you know, it was good to have, see her again and everything. So it was really nice. And also playing with Sune when I was growing up also helped a lot. She's also a fun character to be around. Um, also loves the game so much, very passionate. So I also had her as a role model growing up, spinner, batter. And then also, like I said, I had Dane and Kapi as my coaches when I was 13. So you have, I have the top all-rounder now who was my coach. And I've learned a lot from them as well. So I was very privileged growing up around them. So out of all of those, who do you kind of model yourself on the most? Who, do you, who have you taken the most inspiration from and who do you want to try and be like or be better than? <laughs> it's a tough one but I think more or less like Minx you know just the person she is in on the field off the field like she's never she's never changed who she is always true to herself and if I could just be as type of person she is I think I'll be happy whether I'd whether be better than her or not just how she goes about the game even if she's not having such a great time at the bat she will always come off and be so positive you know that's that's what I want to be like I don't want to be like you know what oh I had a shit game or and you know just want to be a positive person to be around yeah I got to work with her in the KSL and like you mentioned she's so composed and so calm Mm -hmm. and she played such a key role in that um 2019 uh, Loughborough Lightning KSL side where she would study those middle innings and is that the role that you do want to come in and play or would you prefer to be in the opening batting box I know you like a bit of both don't you yeah I do like a bit of both (laughs) it's a bit hard one like I would love to open and then sometimes I'll also like to come in and steady and take the game as deep as possible. So it just depends on what the team needs. But if I can have just a calm head like Minx going either opening or batting in the middle, it'd be great. <laughs> Slowly getting there. I agree as well. I was with Minion as well during uh, the 100 and, and that's just her original. She was so nice, honestly. Mm-hmm. like It was so great talking to her. I was also curious, um, when you came to the UK, did you have any you know culture shocks? like initially because I know I had a lot when I came from India no wouldn't say that much of a culture shock for me oh well being my family is from here originally and also we have very good family friends at Lothia so we did visit now and then so luckily I didn't have such a culture shock I think the only shock I have was when I left my family and was by myself for a bit but no I think maybe for me the people here are very different in compared to South Africa. I felt like here it's a lot more friendlier at some times. You know, everyone greets each other whether they know you or not, which is quite nice. So you go for a walk and someone's like, hey, how are you? You're right. And you're like, yeah, I'm not good. So it's quite different in that aspect. I thought we were a miserable bunch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not too bad. Yeah, I'll take that now. <laughs> but you mentioned about coming over here by yourself. What was the decision process and how did you manage it? Did you get a bit of homesickness and how did you get through it? The thought behind it was while I was in South Africa, I thought, you know what, I'm not where I want to be. And I kind of wanted a new challenge in life, in a way, especially for my cricket. I want to develop and be the best cricketer I possibly can. I knew I needed a new challenge. So lucky enough, because of my parents are from here and basically my whole family, a British passport helped. So I spoke to my manager and I was like, is it possible? I I wasn't even looking for anything. I just wanted to come and play club cricket and see how it goes and develop. And then he's like, he phoned me and he's like, yeah, listen, Lightning wants you. Are you keen to go? So I was like, oh, of course I am. So it happened in like span of three months. Like my whole life basically changed. Had to basically leave everything behind that I knew and was there for 21 years. Got up and had to leave it. So it was a big change, especially also leaving my family like, my brother and I are very close. My mom and I are very close and my dad as well. So leaving them 
was kind of hard at the same time. But also I just got into a relationship with my boyfriend who was like, we were into our six months before I left. So it was a bit of a hard decision as well. But I think I did make the best decision possible. Luckily enough, when I came here, my grandparents, I was able to stay with my grandparents. So that helped a bit. Did get homesick in the first month or two, but luckily with technology now, I could always phone. So a lot of long uh, video calls when I first came here. And even still now, every day phone my mom because her and my brother are still in South Africa because of unforeseen like events that happened last year but yeah video calls and everything I was wondering like in your whole experience of leaving South Africa and coming and like entering a new environment are there any lessons that you learned that you would like to share big lesson that I had to learn was that I had to grow up very quickly so everything was basically I had to do myself so luckily I was lucky enough to have my parents do like the car insurance and all of that stuff for me but now coming here it's you have to do everything by yourself live by yourself you know buy your groceries and everything so I had to grow up a bit quickly but I also felt like the lesson I learned was you know if you don't know whether it will be a good decision if you don't try it and I think that was one if I really want to follow cricket is my dream basically I want to play cricket as a living so if I stayed in South Africa would I be the best per cricket player I could have been or take that opportunity that I've got given now and try to be better than I was so I think you know if you have like a dream just follow it and see what happens because you never know like with that opportunity of the with lightning came the hundred the rockets so imagine if I just said no I would have missed out on the hundred so I think one door closes another one opens in that sense Absolutely. And we've kind of touched on it already, but what are those kind of structural differences? Because in England now we've got this new structure. It is only within its kind of second proper year, but third year of kind of fruition. But in South Africa, what does that domestic structure look like? Well, for in South Africa, you have Division 1, Division 2 for the women's. So you have six, I think six in the top, six in the bottom. So coming here and then having the amount of management staff that you're enlightening and all over and then going Comparing it to South Africa is a huge difference. Like at our provincial levels, you have maybe a strength and conditioning coach, one head coach, and maybe one assistant. So you have basically three management staff, and then coming here, and you have you'll have your head coach, your assistant, your managers, and you have everything. And I think also facility-wise, coming here was also going, for, especially for me, going to Loughborough, playing for Lightning. Like the facilities are amazing compared to South Africa. So I think England is one step ahead of South Africa in that sense where the women's cricket is getting more invested into like with your contracts and your 100 competitions for the women and ECB contracts and everything. Where South Africa is just like slightly behind, but they recently came out now, just last year, they handed out, I think, three or four contracts per province. So I think it is on the right track. It's slowly getting there, but it was like going to Loughborough and you're like, oh, wow different coaches for different things and quite a shock for me yeah because like I think people forget that as well thinking about this world cup that's going on at the moment which when this recording comes out we would have known who the champions are but people have kind of neglected that fact like England versus South Africa if you look at the amount of investment going into both sides you can't really compare and then like the West Indies versus Australia it is so different yeah well I'm hoping like future-wise South Africa realizes you know I Women's cricket is is the future. You have, I know, many youngsters coming through who want to play for South Africa. But the problem is, can they make it a profession when they're going through the provincial setups? Where here you can, 
But in South Africa, you can't. And you've lost so many good talents in South Africa because they've realised, you know what, I need to make a living. And at the moment, I can't do it if I'm going to play provincial cricket. So I think I'm hoping South Africa is like, okay, women's cricket, let's get it. Let's start investing, start throwing competitions like 100 for the women in South Africa. So hopefully everywhere around the world, actually, not just in South Africa, that women's cricket gets more investment, more viewings, more televised games, you know, hopefully... It is on the right track, I won't lie. It's getting there. Hopefully it continues. When you got the call to play for Trent Rockets, how did you feel? Who was the first person that you told about, like, told this to? And like, <laughs> what was like the whole experience? Well, when it first happened, I was at training. And my, co- my manager, Chris, he's like, I got a surprise for you, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. So I was like, then why didn't you say something? But that day, I, I was actually at my boyfriend's house, Caleb. We were busy making lunch and... He phoned me and he said, listen, Mix, the 100 competition, Trent Rockets wants you. Can I sign for you? And I was like, eh, of course. <laughs> what, why? Why not? So I was like extremely so, like, I was so happy, so excited. I think when I put the phone down, I just like started screaming in a way. I was so excited. I was like, oh, guess what, guess what, guess what? Like, you know, phoned my mom and I was like, I hope you, hope you have flights planned already. And then I uh, phoned my dad. So they were very excited. Had to phone my brother as well. So the family was basically the first <laughs> and then slowly word got out and then everyone kind of knew, but it was like so exciting to get that phone call because at first I wasn't really looking for the hundred. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to come to the, to lightning, just do the best I can prove myself. And then maybe next year look for the hundred and getting that opportunity. It was great, amazing experience as well. Yeah, because I guess as well, new face in Lightning, trying to make new friends, teammates, <laughs> trying to prove why you're there and like why you deserve your spot, and then 100 straight away. How did the girls kind of react to that as well? And like, was it good kind of bonding or do you find it quite challenging? It was, I think for, for me, it was a great bonding session, especially some of the girls was in my team for the Rockets. So you had Abby, KB, Lucy, Terry, Lee. So it was great for me because then I had familiar faces when I walked into the Trent Rockets. So I think I did bond a lot with the girls because of that. And just also speaking to them about their life experience going through and how they got offered and everything. So it was nice to know that I had familiar faces when I walked into the Trend Rockets change room and everything. Yeah, because I guess it was a quite a nice like icebreaker. You kind of turn up and you're like, yeah, I'm actually really good. You know, like, unknown <laughs> yeah. players, you know, like this unknown player coming into the side. People yeah. are a little bit like, oh, no, she's like, who is this girl? Like, why is she coming from South Africa? And like, yeah, and I think, I'm yeah, here, I'm making my way. Yeah, slowly but surely. <laughs> I think it was great for, for me, like my first training session. Unfortunately, I didn't have my cricket bag because I was stuck at customs <laughs> trying to get in. <laughs> so I had like a fielding session with them and it was a bit of, oh, okay, who do I go to? Who do I talk to? So, But that was a nice kind of an icebreaker doing fielding with them first and then coming back and having a few, few of them when we had nets, there was like three or four of us and getting to know them, those four quite well. And then going from there into the whole squad training was nice going for coffee at bomb bomb was was a really good icebreaker for me because especially i'm a naturally shy person so i don't like shy so if i need to kind of change that <laughs> going forward but getting there so it was nice to have like lucy and nancy and abby come and like say do you want to go grab a coffee and it was really nice of them to do that and i think it's it helped me a lot to get into the team and bond but i was also fortunate enough when i walked in we had team building 
like two weeks later so it's also a nice way to bond with the team the 100 obviously was like so much more televised you had us social media people all over like running around with cameras on your face so what was that experience like for you our first game and i can also remember we were like in a huddle and i was like oh i went to like a few players and i was like i'm so nervous so nervous like I've never had cameras and I've never been in a stadium where people like 5,000 people are watching you and then another what, million is watching you on TV. So I was really nervous. And I think John was there, our coach, and he was like, just embrace it. You know, you might have your first opportunity playing out in a massive crowd. Just embrace it. Enjoy the moment. So I think I was like, when I walked out, I was like, you know what? Nothing bad can happen. What else? You're here. You're doing what you love. This is what you dreamed of. So embrace it and then I think when I got um the first catch first Trent Rockets wickets and all went up and I was like oh you got this come on so it was great icebreaker as well that I took the catch but also took me out of my comfort zone because I can ask Hannah she had to kind of force me sometimes to do the the media <laughs> media things so it did give me out of my comfort zone and I think it's helped me a lot now doing podcasts and everything talking to people so I think it was a good experience for me personally to just grow as well as a person yeah I'm sorry I badgered you so many times I was like Perky come on you're gonna do like a little swipe up it's game day come on can you do this can you do that yeah Um, but like it it did get me on my comfort zone which so happy about that to be fair like doing a podcast myself like this is so far from me anyway like I'm actually quite a really shy person as well so I really do understand and like I get it it is quite uncomfortable and like unless you do it you'll never get out of that comfort zone so like absolutely fair play to you because it does take a lot of guts to just put yourself out there and like that catch I literally I can remember that first catch like when you were talking about it because you were on the boundary right yeah riding yeah just talk us through that moment again because you literally had so many screaming people behind you you said five thousand but I feel like the crowd got up to seven eight thousand towards the end like middle end of that match and everything so for your first ever kind of professional competition just relive that moment we started off quite well with Bronte. Bronte started really well. I think she went for like two runs in her first five. And then Sammy came on and Manana was batting. So I was like, great Indian opening batsman. Great batsman. And she hits one straight up in the air. I'm like, oh, it's coming to me. Okay. So I was like, I have to take this, you know. Good. It's a great wicket to take, firstly. Help the team because they were two for one then. Put pressure back on them. I was also on, like you said, screaming fans behind me, screaming, catch, catch. I had Sammy and them screaming, catch. So I think when I when I saw it go up, I'm, my first instinct was just try get under it and be stable. That's the best way I'm going to take this catch. So when I took it, I was like, sigh of relief. Yeah. So after that, I think I just grew more confident in fielding. Like I was very confident in my fielding in the first place, high catches and everything. But after that catch, I was like, actually, I've got this, you know, if it comes again, I could take it again. So it was really great feeling just to take the first trend rockets like catch of the tournament, like you said. And for me, like for my career as well, to set it on a good tone for the tournament. And then third game just went a bit downhill. Uh, I was wondering, so uh, was the 100 very popularly followed in, in uh, South Africa as well? It was actually. Um, I think a lot of the girls did take follow in it. I know a lot of my brother's friends also started following it. I had my one of my best friends is a swimmer and she watched cricket, but I wouldn't say she watched cricket like intensely. And then she said after the, after the 100, she loves watching cricket. I've had also people message me saying, oh, it's such a great tournament. So I think did get a lot of attention in South Africa, and especially among the girls, which was really great. 
And I did see on Instagram some of their posts. It wasn't for Rocket, but it was for the other players. But it was great to see that they are supporting the women's cricket, the 100. So I think hopefully if it continues, more and more people will get more involved with it, watching it. And we're going to keep it on the 100 at the moment. So walking into Trent Bridge for the first time and meeting your teammates again for that first time, head coach Sally Ann Briggs. Who was the person that you're most excited to meet and why? I think it was Nat, <laughs> you know, top all-rounder at that time. Very excited to meet her. She's such a fast player, batting, bowling. She's had such a calm head when we played her and was just going there and actually having a chat with her. You're like, oh, she's she's so nice to talk to as well. Very, And also, I was also excited to meet like Glenny and Bronte and also the overseas players. So it was like excitement and a bit of nerves at the same time. Like, oh, what are they going to think? You know, so but Nat definitely was the top one for me. Just to meet her was quite quite amazing. You know, very good player. <laughs> and what was it like to have her as captain throughout the season? Because obviously you had a bit of a difficult first half, and then the wins were getting on the board, and towards the end it was looking quite promising. Yeah, I think she was very calm. Like being on the field, and you've got like especially for the newbies who haven't been playing in a crowd, and she was very calm, very. Like you just go up to a new, she brought like a sense of calmness, which is quite great. Um, also, we did have a discussion in our first meeting with you. you it's just such a new game. You don't know what's going to happen. It's going to change so quickly, as we saw a few times. It can go in your way. Then it's not going your way. And then it goes back in your way. So I think we just kind of, she just kind of said, you know what, just play to your best of your ability, back yourself and just back your skills. Because there's a reason why you're here. So do it. I was also wondering uh, which team were you most excited to play against and which stadium were you most excited to go to? My stadium that I wanted to go to, exciting, was Lords, obviously, home of cricket. And then most exciting, I think, would be, I was very excited to play all of them, basically. But the one that kind of stood out for me was the Oval Invincibles. It would be great to play against Dane, Kapi, and all of them. It was rained off. Yeah. But that- <laughs> also fell after the Lord's ACL injury. So let's talk about that as well, because that was absolutely heartbreaking. And I know in that moment as well, like I saw the knee twist and everything, and I saw you trying to get up and you're running, trying to run around the boundary as well, trying to be like, let me get back on that pitch. Yeah. But I think you had some words with, was it Catherine Brunt who was like, yeah. no, yeah. rest yeah. it. Yeah. Well, the day before when we had training, it kind of rained and that night it rained as well. So I was fielding on that slope. It was a lot wetter than I thought it would be. So when I ran to get the ball, my spikes didn't grip properly. So when my leg kind of just straightened, and then when I went to change direction, I felt it pop in and out. So I was hoping when Fran got on and she straightened it, I was like, okay, it's not as bad as I think it is. Maybe it just popped in and out and everything's fine. Got up. I was like, to Fran, can I play? And she's like, well, how do you feel? I was like, no, I'm fine. You know, as a player, you just want to get on with it. You don't want to be injured. So I ran to Bronte and Nat, who were all standing there. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'm ready. And they're like, do you want to play or can you play? And I was like, I want to. They're like, no, I think you should go. Go ice it. You know, we have a long time to go off. So I was like, okay. So I ran off, went to Fran. And I was like, I can still run. Did a bit of a run, <laughs> run on the boundary, like you said. And then she was like, no, nah, let's just ice it for a bit. And I was like, okay, no, that's fine. And then the next morning, we Fran came to me and she's like, we're going to go for MRI just to be sure. Nothing's popped, nothing's out of place. So I was like, no, that's fine. You know, reasonable. Get there. Then Fran calls me in and I just see Sally, Sally Ann and Fran sitting in a circle. And I'm like, this can't be great. And then uh, Fran broke that I 
tore my ACL completely and had a tear in my medial meniscus. So like when I heard that, I was like in complete shock. I was like, they were talking and then I heard, you know, you'd be out for nine to 12 months. And I was like, what? I just like, in my head, I was like, no, this can't be. I just arrived in the UK. I'm playing in the 100. How could this happen? So I was just really upset at that moment in time. Like, But I do owe a lot to the Rockets because normally when you get an injury, some teams send you away to go start your rehab already. And they actually kept me on, which I was really grateful for because I think that helped me a lot just being around the team, just having people there around me while when it happened kind of helped me a lot to stay positive and say you know what even though you are injured it's okay it happens it was a freak accident no one could have predicted that and I think I owe a lot to Salian who kept me on and said you know what Koki we want you you're gonna stay so I am extremely grateful that they allowed me to stay on and be part of the team and carry on how was it like being injured and like what were you able to learn by continuing your journey with Trent Rocket I think being on the side of the field sitting on the bench, dugouts with all the coaches. I think I learned a lot because you see different things when you sit on the side and you're not on the field. And you hear like the coaches speaking, they're saying, oh, this would have been a better situation when it was happening, this bowler would have been better or you could do this. So it was nice sitting there and actually listening to them talk and also speaking to them while we were on the side. So I did learn a lot from that, even though I was injured. I still learned a lot through that and sitting in with the, on the discussions about how we're going to go against this batsman, this bowler. So you still learn a lot, even though you're injured, even though I'm not playing. But on the side, having the experience of Sally Ann and John and all of the coaching staff there, it was great to have also. Also as well. Also as well. So because you were injured and stuff, maintaining that connection to the team and not just going home and being on your own, being isolated, like that connection is so key, not just for you, but for the team so that they don't kind of miss you at the same time you're still in around a group and you're still part of it it wasn't like a distraction of oh where's Michaela gone where's Kirky like feeling that loss if you know what I mean yeah I think we were like our team was such a great bunch of ladies you know we got it on so well great banter especially during warm-up but like you say like it was nice being able to be around the team and not like you say sit at home and be isolated and watch them on tv so I think having the ability to just stay there and still have chats with them still grow relationships still grow memories I have memories that will probably last me till till I die and everything you know it wasn't maybe say some players could have been distracted of oh hope Koki's are fine I wonder how she's doing so I think maybe just keeping that and building that relationship for the future as well so I think it was quite nice what is the sledging scene like is it common for like for women cricketers to also like sledge i think it just depends i have had some fewer said at me you know <laughs> so i don't think it's as bad as the men but i think you do get when you so in the moment and you're passionate some words probably do slip among the women's you know especially like if you when i played we played Bronte in the the Rachel Hay Flint trophy and she I knew it was coming the bounce was coming and she hit me and I knew she was going to say something to me so <laughs> I like kind of you know you just kind of walk away and you just try to block it off but there is some sledging I haven't had I personally haven't had such bad sledging against me but I'm sure at international you do get someone who will chirp a bit you know say something just to get under your skin but for me I haven't had such bad ones and you mentioned Bronte there, so playing with such a fiery character on the pitch, but one of the nicest humans off the pitch. What was that experience like? And like you mentioned as well, taking a catch off her bowling, like you'd, you'd never want to kind of drop one of those. 
no, you don't. Like you say, she passionate person on the field, but off the field, most amazing person. So chilled, so kind, you know. I think, but she's just like, we had a chat with her about it. And she's like, she just gets so passionate. She loves the game and she loves to have that competition. So it brings out the best in her. That's why she loves getting fired up and everything. And I think when she's on the field, she just wants like the best of everyone, basically, which is good. That pushes you to be your best. And I think off the field, like so chilled, have a good laugh with her. And it was it was quite when I first I was a bit nervous, like, oh, how how's Brunty going to be? You know, you see her on TV and she's very passionate. So it was really nice to know, you know what, you can also go and have a good laugh with her after the game about something like, oh, you said this on the field and have a good laugh with her afterwards. So it was nice having two different sides, the very passionate and the very chilled. So especially when you're in the competition and you just need to have a, like a chill out day, Brunchy was always there to, to have a laugh with you. In the bubble, like you have a lot of downtime because you're not really going around. So how did you spend your spare time? A lot of coffee, coffee walks, <laughs> a lot of them. I think uh, we played some golf, some of us. After my first round of golf, I think I was like, I'm out of four balls on the first hole. <laughs> Because of the bubble, like you say, and COVID was very high at the time, we were kind of restricting what we were allowed to do, where we were allowed to go. But like I said, coffee walks were the main one. Lots of coffee in our team. Walks, team went on long walks, golf, and yeah, that's mostly it. And you just chilled out some, like you didn't always spend time with each other. Some players would go to their rooms and phone their, their families, do work, study, or at the end of the day, though, like, when the 100 was on, we would all go grab dinner, order dinner, go sit in the team room and watch the 100. So it was nice to have that as well. So you did have some of your alone time and then also some of the team time. And with the 100 as well, obviously, there's lots of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and funny stories that happen that don't get shared. What was your funniest moment that you're allowed to share? I think one of my funny, what happened to me was when we were playing golf, I was like, some of the players are very good golfers, like KB. <laughs> so like, trying to like hype yourself up and like, I can play golf you know maybe I'm not so good at putting but for me we were on our first hole so it was me Emily Luce and Ella and then I just lined up Lucy hit first I was like I'm sure I can beat this first one I hooked it right then the next one hooked it right so I lost four four five golf balls on the first hole which was quite funny for me because normally my my brother's very good at golf my boyfriend Caleb's also very good at golf. So I was like, you know, I'll go play with them. So I should be good. And then having that happen, you're just like, oh, no. So like moving on from the 100 now, like towards the future, what are your goals for this year? And what do you aspire to achieve like throughout your career? I think my main goal this year is to try to get back <laughs> to cricket and playing like without any rehab and restrictions. Because at the moment, I'm six yeah, six and a half months almost seven months now after operation so hard work in the rehab just want to play you can ask my physio all I ask is can I play can I play so like just for this year I just want to try get strong enough again get back on the field and try play as many games as I possibly can that's probably one of my main goals also I've set myself a goal like personally just to enjoy myself when I go go on the field don't put any pressure on myself just enjoy playing cricket I feel like when I don't put so much pressure on myself I actually have a really fun time score runs take wickets you know and then like future wise I just try continue growing as a player as a person on and off the field as well try be the best person I can be with the bat with the ball now as well and then hopefully just continue playing cricket for as long as possible if I make 
if I happen to play international cricket, that would be amazing. If I don't, I want to look back and say, you know what, I gave it my all, you know, go and enjoy it. Obviously, everyone's goal is to play for their national side. And I think it is such a great goal to have because it makes you just want to be better. But if it doesn't happen, I'm okay with it in that way. Like as long as I know that I've pushed myself to the point to give myself the opportunity to be chosen for or looked at, you know, but just try to be better every day. As you mentioned earlier, like to not put pressure on yourself. Like it's so hard to be in these like high pressure environments when like all eyes are on you. How do you like sort of convince yourself to like be calm and, you know, like enjoy it? I think I have struggled that at times, especially last season with the with Lightning. I think at certain games, I just put too much pressure on myself trying to prove something where I just actually didn't have to prove anything. So I've realized now, especially having the time off, you know what? I don't need to prove anything to anyone, actually. I'm good enough to be there. There's a reason why I'm there. So I just have to actually just trust myself, trust my processes, just believe in myself, have that self-confidence. You know what? I can do it. I can hit the winning runs for my team, whether it be for Lightning, Rockets or whoever actually just self-confidence and everything like the high pressure situations I think going back just thinking you know what going back to what worked for me during other times so I know if this is here I can hit it there so just trusting my practice and everything and I think that's something that I am learning and hopefully I can actually do it (laughs) when the time comes just trusting myself basically just being calm and not actually focusing on everything else and just focusing what's in front of me. It's basically either way, cricket is a funny sport. It's a bat versus a ball, basically. So just trying to keep it as simple as possible as well. So I think for me as well, when I get too pressured, I start to think of too many things and then like your brain just <laughs> explodes because it's so much information overload. So I think in that pressure situation, just keep it simple, be calm and just trust yourself. But you make it sound so simple, you know. Just I know. <laughs> I wish it was that simple. <laughs> yeah, me too, you know. Um, but you mentioned as well about that kind of positive mindset and keeping it simple and enjoying it and removing that pressure away from yourself. But when it comes to injury and working yourself back, obviously you must have translated that into your rehab. But how has it been? And like, be, be honest, you know, like six and a half months now, you're getting there. I've seen, you know, you've been back in the nets a little bit now, haven't you? So yeah. it's hopeful. Yeah, it is hopeful. I'm <laughs> very hopeful. I won't lie, like going into my, before my surgery, I was in the gym, I was squatting, lifting weights, had my operation and then I got given exercises. You know, you have to do this to get my leg to straighten again. And second day afterwards, got home, my dad was sitting with me and I was like, let, let me just do my exercises. And I couldn't lift my leg. Literally, I couldn't lift my leg. My brain didn't want to lift my leg. So it was so like frustrating to know that before, two days late, two days ago, I was squatting in the gym with 30 kilograms or something. And now I can't even lift my leg. So it has been uh, very hard. I won't lie. The first two months were the bad days, kind of outweighed the good days in that sense, trying to regain my strength again. So it has been difficult. Some days are better than other days. The first two or three months, it was very like long because I wasn't allowed to cricket. I could only do certain things in the gym. I wasn't allowed to. I couldn't actually like if I wanted to move sideways, I had to stop and then like kind of turn and then go. So it has been hard, but going now into almost seven months, the good days are starting to outweigh the bad days. Obviously, I do have some days like just the other day I actually had 
kind of like a breakdown of it's so so long when can I go back can I can I go back to batting please can I go back to just running or doing something and talking to my physios now and strength and conditioning coach it's I'm almost there but I'm not there so just have to keep positive and just keep moving forward because I have to be stronger before I can do cricket or else like you say I might re-injure it and I don't want that could possibly end my career so I have to at least just kind of embrace it I'm almost there I'm almost done I've done the hard work three more months left last push basically just be as positive as possible and I think even though it's been it's not nice getting an injury I've kind of tried to look at the positive side of it you know I can go back to my batting basics fix any little things um fix my balance basically lots of balance exercises <laughs> um so I've tried to take the positives out of it so being able to go back to my batting basics and like kind of look at it and say okay this worked this didn't work let's stick with this and work towards something and I've actually fixed my batting a bit, focused on other things, become a lot stronger, which is really good. And also, funny enough, mentally, I think I've become a bit stronger as well, going through something so, so hard, being told you might not play your next season, maybe, to, you know what, I want to prove everyone wrong. I want to play. So I'm going to work hard to get there. And also having little goals. So obviously with ACL tears, it's it's a long rehab process and I have to hit little goals. So. I'm lucky enough that I am also strong-minded that I know if I want to do something, if I put my head down, I will achieve it. So having those little goals there have helped a lot. And just trying to say, you know what, you've got an injury. There's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is just be positive and try, take the most out of it. And I think the past six months, I've tried my hardest to take little positives each day because obviously no injury is going to be perfect. The rehab ain't going to be perfect. You're going to have some days good sometimes bad i guess like in many ways also you know like you you value sort of like your playing experiences before your injury even more when you can't play for such a long period of time and i guess like now when you come back to playing you're probably gonna like enjoy it even more because you waited so long yeah it's like also watching training sessions like i said for the first two months i wasn't allowed to pick up a bat and watching everyone train you're like i don't want to be here i want to be doing what they're doing it's like oh but I like I do miss it. But luckily enough, I'm at the stage where I can bat. So I'm back in the net batting, which has been amazing. <laughs> and I have like valued the days where I can bat and everything. But I am looking forward to the to the day my physio says, Oh, you you you're done. You can go and just in like carry on playing and doing what I love doing each each and every day. Probably will maybe take it in a lot more <laughs> than I was. Because you like I said, anything can happen. Silly things can happen, put you out for a long time. So just kind of embrace it more, enjoy it a lot more. For people who are listening who are learning so much about you through this podcast and everything, but still want to know, like, who is Michaela Kirk? What is the story and everything? What would you tell them? 22-year-old trying to chase your dreams of playing, of being a professional cricketer. Yeah, a bit shy, you know. So if you meet me, I might be a bit shy, but if you stick around, I will get out my shell a bit more. Yeah, love coffee, as you saw from the Rockets. Yeah, just want to try and inspire also younger girls to follow their dreams and just, if it's there, go for it.
And when it comes to playing with Lightning, obviously, hopefully you'll be returning this season. But if not next year, obviously, there's going to be some huge stories to write. We want to see your name lit up everywhere, <laughs> scoring the runs and everything. But yeah. what will be your playing role and what can people expect from your style of play? Hopefully, when I when I am able to play again for Lightning, I've made like small goals of I have to just put the team first. If they need me to bat there, I'll bat there. If they need me to bat there, I'll bat there and just do just play to the best of my ability and just make sure I'm doing the most for Lightning. Hopefully in scoring some runs. You know, uh, last season I had a bit of an up and down season, had some good knocks, didn't have some good knocks. So hopefully be more, more consistent in the good knocks and just keep taking catches. <laughs> and hopefully now, because I used to bowl back in the day, so I'm bringing that back. So hopefully also take some wickets for them. Off dinner? Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect. And I would say you did score uh, 57 against Sunrises and everything last year. So there was still lots of high moments too. And yep. hopefully we'll see more of that coming your way. If that call-up does happen, who would you be choosing? Would you be choosing to play for South Africa or would you be choosing to play for England? Funny enough, I'm not allowed to play for South Africa at all. I am after three years because I kind of, when I moved to Lightning, I had to kind of sign then I won't play for South Africa for three years because I have to build my citizenship up. And yeah. So I think if I do get a call up, it will probably be for England. Right. So the final bit is just quick fire questions. You're at a, like a village cricket tea, like a club cricket tea. Yeah. And you've got the sandwiches out. You've got the pizzas out, the sausages, whatever it may be. What's your first go-to item? A sandwich. What type? Specifics. Anything that doesn't have cheese or dairy on. South African food or English food? South African. <laughs> Best stadium to play at? Either Lords or Newlands. Favourite player to bat against? Favourite player to bat against? Mignon. Apart from South Africa and England, which team would you support internationally? Either Australia or New Zealand. If you didn't play for Lightning, what region would you play for? Vipers. If not cricket, then which sport would you pursue? Hockey. What was the last book you read? Oh, I just read, what's it, the su- subtitle of Not Giving a... Which Netflix shows have you been watching? Friends. Sweet or savoury? Sweet. Cats or dogs? Dogs. <laughs> I think, oh, oh, which holiday des- uh, destination do you want to go to next? Greece is definitely on my bucket list. Nice bit of Santorini. Yeah. yeah. Get a tan back. <laughs> <laughs> Teammate in Lightning with the worst dress sense? I actually say no one. Everyone actually has a quite good dress sense. Why not? Maybe me. Favourite movie? Oh, this is hard. <laughs> I have so many. The top one, I'd say Grown Ups. Favourite character on Friends? Joey. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite teammate in Lightning? Everyone. You're not allowed to sit on the fence. You've got to so choose nice. one. Uh-uh, no, everyone. But all of them. <laughs> are men and women both our favourite battle? Men, I'd say Rossi. And then women between Mignon, Nat and Sarah Taylor. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, three. I have so many. <laughs> so many. Out of those three, come on. Which would be number one? Matt. You right. sat next to me during Rockets in the dugout. You heard me when she was batting. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, um, that last match, which Mahika was there because it was against Manchester yeah, yeah. as well. We did make sure that you did get a photo with Nat. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a really nice photo as well. And also then you the, got one yeah. with Min- Mignon as yeah. well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that photo album must be popping. Yeah. It's still here. I still have it. Oh, Yeah. Now I've got some great photos of you last summer. Yeah, I have them all still. But yeah, 
thank you so much for coming on our podcast this morning and chatting away oh thank you for having me no worries and yeah you said some amazing things and stuff so it should be really good and i'm sure people will enjoy it and get to know who the real mk is perfect well have a lovely rest of the day and speak to you soon you too Bye. bye Massive thank you to Michaela for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. It was really interesting to hear her thoughts on the 100, on the regional setup, how it differs from the regional setup in South Africa, and really and truly what it's like to deal with a severe injury like an ACL and what the rehab process looks like. And we really do wish her the best and wish her well in recovering from that horrific ACL injury she suffered in the 100 last year and to all our listeners if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing you can follow us on twitter at wcricketchat on instagram at women's cricket chat and if you want to give us a like on facebook we are women's cricket chat if you'd like to give our personal twitters a follow then it's at hannity1194 at georgie heath 27 at cassie coombs 98 at mihika barshney and i'm at alex jane this has been women's cricket chat tune in next time